James chapter 1. We're, we're coming into land on James chapter 1, and um, every other book that you, you, know, you might read, maybe uh, you know, not a novel or so on, but, but other than the Bible, you, you read it and we, we kind of analyze it, don't we? And we, we think, I wonder what, what do I think about this? You know, and, oh, well, maybe I'll take this little bit here or I'll, I'll, I'll accept, you know, if it's some sort of self-help book or something like that, yeah, that might be helpful, this is, this is good. Um, but the Bible is very, very different like that. We're to allow it to read us. We don't put ourselves above it and kind of think, well, what bits shall I, shall I cherry pick out here that are helpful for me? It's, no, no, we, allow, we, we put ourselves below Scripture, below God's words, and allow it to read us, inform us, shape us, and challenge us um, and speak to us, whether that be here, tomorrow morning, when we study the Word, uh, on, a, you know, on a Monday morning, wherever we go about our day, we allow it to speak to us because it's living and active, and it's God's Word. And, but sometimes it's... It's uncomfortable. You know, if you read something in another book that's uncomfortable, you think, oh, forget that. But, but when we read something in the Bible that's uncomfortable, it ought to make us think, oh, okay, well, why do I find this uncomfortable? Is it, is it because it's the word of God speaking into my heart and I'm to uh, submit myself to it? Yeah, the Bible is different like that and, than other books. And this book of James is a very practical book, very instructive, normative for everyday life and... Um, yeah, so it can really speak to us in, in everyday life, just kind of, each, as we go about and live our lives, this book can really speak to us. So we're going to pick it up in verse 22 of chapter 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. I wonder, how do you know when you've deceived yourself? How do you know? I mean, we, I, if you've ever been, it, the, the answer really is it, it requires some sort of external action, doesn't it? It requires you either to, to have to get to a point where you suddenly realise, you know, I've, I've been wrong. Or somebody to tell you you're, you're going wrong and you to accept that, that, that correction, doesn't it? If you've ever been uh, driving, walking, whatever, going somewhere and, and you're convinced you're going the right way and then suddenly you realise, oh, actually... I wasn't. I've been, I've been going wrong. I remember uh, on holiday with a friend in, in India on, on motorbikes and going round in a hot, you know, busy traffic for hours and hours and hours and hours, convinced we're going the right way, only to realise at some point, oh, we, we've been here before. <laughs> we're, we're on a ring road, we're stuck, we've been here before. Um, but it requires self-deception for you to realise it. You either have to accept some correction or you reach a point where it's, oh, actually, yeah, I, I got, we got this wrong. I got this I got this wrong. And James's concern here for us is that people can think they are following Jesus when in fact they are not. He's saying that if all you're doing is merely listening, merely listening to the word of God, you are deceiving yourself. And James, he doesn't want his readers or us to be uh, deceived, deluded, to be fooling ourselves. His concern is that our, our faith, our walk with Jesus, would go deeper than just kind of outward show and mere words. And, uh, and so we're to receive this warning. Yeah, we don't, we don't want to wait until it's too late. It's, oh, you know, I've wasted, I've wasted years, I've wasted my life. We don't, want to, we don't want to wait until it's too late. It's like ignoring somebody if you're on a journey and there's people telling you, you're going the wrong way. You know, the road's closed up ahead or, or something. You just think, oh yeah, it's fine, we'll just carry on. It's like ignoring that warning. We don't want to do that because we're convinced we're right. And so let's look at what this sort of self-deception might look like. Verse 21 again. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. So here's, here he now talks about self-deception. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now you could read this passage and almost the whole book of James really and think, aha, you know, I've heard you, you guys preach about grace and, uh, that it's, you know, and being saved by grace and not by works. But look here, James is saying it's about doing, doing this and not doing that. But you'd be missing the point. We are saved by grace, not by works. And as we've said before, real, real faith produces genuine works. As I said the first week, we, one who's genuinely found the way walks in it. Yeah, that's kind of what James is trying to get at in this whole book. He's telling his readers that, that, if, that, we need, and us, that we need to be studying his word, meditating on it, pondering in its meaning, and applying it to day-to-day life. Verse 25 says, looking into God's word intently. And we can sometimes think that we, we know God's word. It's, oh, yeah, it's written on my heart, and, and, and I think, therefore, we know God's will. But actually, we have the Bible and the Holy Spirit to speak, as I said at the beginning, to speak right into our hearts because it's living and active and it's the words of God. And you might say, well, I'm, I'm not much of a reader, you know, um, or I don't understand it. And, and that might be true, but if that's where it stops, James is sort of saying, hey, you're deceiving yourself. You're deceiving yourself, yeah? So if that's his concern... Why does he talk about doing? Why, does James, why, is he, why is he so hung up on doing? I think it's for a couple of reasons. I think it, it proves, proves our faith. Those who genuinely have found the way will walk in it. But also, and mostly, most importantly, you learn by doing. Yeah? You learn and remember by doing. The key error of the hearer only is forgetting. Yeah? That image of, the, the, of seeing a reflection in the mirror and walking away, he forgot. The key error was he, they forgot you know, I could preach about forgiveness and, uh, you know, you could go and read commentaries and books on it, but until you've actually had to go and forgive someone, that, it's really, there's a limited knowledge there, isn't there? It's kind of head knowledge. Until you've kind of counted the cost and realised what it's like forgiving someone, you, you, your knowledge in, in, in it is limited. Yeah? When you've counted the cost of actually forgiving someone that really cost you something, then you can look at how Christ forgave us despite what we've done, I think, wow, yeah, okay, that is incredible that he would forgive me and bear with me. That is a huge cost, and I know some measure of that because I've practically forgiven somebody. So it, by the doing helps us remember. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious. Now, religion, we, we often talk about religion in a negative sense, don't we? You know, uh, But here it's speaking about it in a positive sense. So you know, those who consider themselves you could say followers of Jesus, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion, their faith is worthless. Ouch. But there's more. Verse 27, religion, so faith, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James is by no means here being uh, exhaustive what he's saying is that one who is the genuine article, one who has genuinely found and follows Jesus, will be careful about what we say. Be careful about what we say. We'll have compassion for those in distress and try and follow God's will and not the way of the world. And really, we could, you, could, you could hear this and think, well, you're just telling me to do this and do that. 
Yeah, I've already, I've already got my, my plate's already full, and now you're saying I need to do this, I need to be looking after widows and orphans, I need to be careful about what comes out of my mouth. But the, what James is getting at here is a head-to-heart process and dynamic. Really, that's what this whole book is after. He's after a process from head to heart that our, our faith, our relationship with Jesus wouldn't just remain in our head that I, I know he loves me, I know he's forgiven me, but it, it, it penetrates our heart, that his word penetrates our hearts. Following Jesus, it's not just head knowledge. It's inward transformation, a new heart with new desires that lead to new behaviors. Yeah? Just head knowledge, it's, it's self-deception. Hearing, having him speak to you through his word and doing nothing about it, it's just it's self-deception. We're to be hearers and doers. But then there's this point in, in, in verse 25. Do you notice it says, James, James writes, the perfect law that gives freedom. How is, that, how is there freedom in the law? I mean, how is there freedom in the law? The answer is that by the gospel we are set free. That by Jesus dying on the cross for you and for me, we're set free from the, 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 the wages of sin. We're set free from, from, from the bondage and slavery of sin. Free to follow Jesus. Free to, freely forgiven to receive his grace in relationship with Jesus. To receive his Holy Spirit in us, transforming us from within. We're free because of what Jesus did at the cross for you and me. Dying on the cross, paying the price for, all, for my sin, for your sin. That he was buried and rose again to life. That's how we receive freedom. There's freedom in his words. There's freedom in the gospel. And you could be sat there thinking, well, you know, um, I don't always do what the Bible teaches. I, you know, I do go away and forget. I don't control my tongue very well. You know, I said some things that, I, that I'm not proud of. Is James saying to me, my faith isn't genuine? Perhaps, perhaps, or perhaps you've just got in some bad habits. Um, but... I really think what James is getting at here is that the, the whole message of the book, the whole message of this book isn't, isn't do this and don't do that. Isn't on top of, 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 of daily life, you need to start doing this and you need to stop doing that. And, and what he's really saying, I think, is that if you and I really, and I mean really, believe the truth about the gospel, it has to change what we do. It has to change our life Monday to Friday. If we really believe that, that we don't just understand in our heads that he, he died on the cross and, and was buried and raised to life again and, and ascended into heaven and sent us his spirit. If we just believe that in our head, we're deceived. That's what I think he's saying. But, but more than that, he's saying if you really believe that, not just in your head but in your hearts, you really believe that you're, you're, you're loved, that you're accepted, that he, he died for you, he loves you. If you really believe that, if you really believe it, I don't just mean head knowledge, but deeply in your heart, in every situation, you believe, no, he loves me, I'm accepted, he's never going to leave me, he's never going to forsake me. If we really believe that truth, it will affect what we do. It will affect what we say. It will affect us having compassion towards widows and orphans. You, know, you could read this and think, oh, I haven't, I haven't cared for any widows and orphans this week. I'm a terrible Christian. He's saying, no, no, have you really understood at your heart, at your, in, your, in, your, in the depth of your heart, that he loves you, that he accepts you, that he died for you, and, and that there's nothing you can do that will change that? Do we really believe that? Because when I look at my own life, when, I, when I'm struggling with something and, uh, I don't know, maybe doubts and, and, and what ifs or fears are getting in or, or, or something like that, or I'm feeling 
uh, I don't know, I'm feeling like uh, resentful because everybody wants something from me in the house, you know, everybody wants feeding or taking to the toilet or something like that. And I'm thinking, I just want to be left alone for, for five minutes peace. And, and when I'm feeling like that, I think what's going on, and when I peel back all the layers in those moments, that truth, actually, I'm a loved child of God. He's never going to leave me. He accepts me. He chose me. He died for me. He's alive within me. I don't really believe that in my heart. I know it in my head. I'm not really believing it in my heart. James wants us to really believe it, that in our hearts. Not just now here, but tomorrow morning when we go into school, into work, working at home. He wants us to know that truth, that you're a loved child of God, that he's with you, that he forgave you, that he died for you, that he loves you, and that you're accepted. And nothing can change that. Nothing can take that away. I don't know if, like, uh, like me, you do what-if questions. You can do sort of, well, what if I lose my job? What if I make this mistake at work and or the company goes bankrupt? Or what if, oh, and then the mortgage. And then, oh, what if we lose the house? And the problem with what if questions, it's like a, a never-ending onion, isn't it? You just keep peeling back layers and, and there's no more peace at the next layer than there was at the last. Yeah, because there's just more and more and more and more and you just end up, there's no peace in there. But what if, instead of asking those what-if questions of, of what if, you know, this happened or that happened. What if in those moments when we find ourselves thinking like that, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, what if instead of asking those questions, we said, what if, what if it's true? What if his promises over me are true? What if he loves me with a never-failing never love, an everlasting love? What if I'm accepted? What if I'm completely forgiven? What if he's got a plan and a purpose for me? What if he is working all things for good in my life? What if instead of going down the avenue of oh, this and this and this and, 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 and where's it going to lead me to despair, we turn it around and say, no, no, what, what if his word is true? What if his promises are true? What if he loves me? What if I am a child of God? What if his Holy Spirit is in me, with me, right now, in every moment, able to help me? Imagine the power in those moments, Right? Instead of leading us to anxiety and fear and uh, just a negative spiral, we turn it around and say, you know what? I'm going to stop asking those what-if questions and I'm going to start asking, what if this is true? What if this is true? Does my heart need to be reminded afresh that he died for me, that he chose me, that he loves me, that he accepted me, and he's never going to leave me? There is huge security in that, isn't there? Everybody else might leave me. Everybody else might let me down. He's never going to. What security is there in that? And I believe when we know that, it has to have a massive effect on the rest of our life. On our Monday morning at work, it has to have a huge effect on our, on our work, on our uh, study, on our marriage, on our relationships, uh, when, on our behavior, as James is speaking about here, on how we suffer, on how we speak on compassion for the lost. If we really believe in the depths of our hearts, those things that I said are true, then it has to have a, be outworked in the rest of our life, doesn't it? It has to. When, um, well, let me go back a second. The, those who genuinely find, found the way will walk in it. Those who genuinely know in their hearts that Jesus loves them, that they're accepted, that they're forgiven, that he delights over them, will walk in it. And the good news is that whoever you are, whatever your status, whatever your history, whatever your past, your record, you can come today afresh 
and know Jesus. Come today and, and, have, and be reminded of that truth. Come to Jesus today and receive that truth in our hearts. And not just today, tomorrow. You can come to him tomorrow morning and receive that truth afresh. When, when you, you know, not feeling like a, a son or daughter of the, the living God at all, but you can, because the pressures of a Monday morning, you can come to him afresh and say, oh, yeah, I am. Remind me, Lord, of how you love me, of how you chose me, of how you're with me, of how you forgave me. It's not about do this and do that. It's about knowing the truth of the gospel in our hearts. I wrote this, to be honest, when I was writing this preach, I, I kind of thought I'd finish. And uh, then just uh, looking at it and, and um, uh, chatting to someone, I, I realized I'd really just preach do this and do that. And, and part of me, if I'm honest, um, I like the law. In the, in the sin, let me explain this. Um, that in my life, and, I'm, and, um, you know, and some of yours as a pastor I'm aware of, the law can get things done quick, right? Do this. Don't do that. Stop doing this. Start doing this. It can, it, there's, sort of a, yeah, there's, a, there's a speed to it, right? But it doesn't lead to transformation, does it? It just leads to maybe some temporary change, trying to, trying to behavior modification, trying to try a bit harder to, to do this or, or not to do this. It doesn't lead to lasting change. Grace leads to lasting change. Grace, knowing who you are as a son or daughter of the living God, leads to transformational change. Not do this and don't do that. When Paul and Silas were, um, were in prison, they were in, in Acts 16, they were praying and worshipping, and if you remember the story, the uh, Holy Spirit came and the doors were blown open, and the, uh, the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And they didn't say, you know, do this, don't do that. They said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. This morning, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not do this, do that. It's believe, know him in the depths of your heart, and the rest will follow. We gather to worship in light of what Jesus did at the cross, dying for you and me, that we are more loved by God than we can imagine, and that love is perfect and secure, and nothing can change that. Shall we stand? Can Joe and Ben come back up? We're going to take communion. What a great way to just center ourselves on the gospel. So you know what? This morning, I need to be reminded that I am a son or daughter of the Most High King, that I am forgiven, that I am free, that I am chosen, that I am loved, not because I deserve it, not because anything I have done or haven't done, but because of what Jesus did at the cross for me. The question isn't, are you doing this or not doing that? It's do you really believe it in your heart? Do you really know the grace of God, the grace of the gospel in your hearts this morning? That he died for you and that you and me are fully and completely loved and accepted by God. It doesn't matter what you've done, his blood can cover it. You and I are fully and completely loved and accepted by God. Let's pray. Can you guys start playing when you're ready? Please. During this song, as I say, there's, there's communion, the bread and the wine at the back. I encourage you. Uh, you might want to go there with a friend and just pray and just, just speak that reminder over one another that you are loved, accepted, son or daughter of the Most High.
by the grace of God, what Jesus did at the cross. And we're going to respond in worship. And we're responding to what is in his words. We're responding to the good news that's here, the good news that, of what, that we're free because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Not because we, we need to do this or do that, but because we have because of what Jesus did at the cross for you and me. We're responding now in worship to that. That's why we sing these songs, because of the, the wonder of, oh Lord, look what you've done. I don't deserve this. I haven't earned this. But by the cross, by your blood, by your grace, I'm forgiven, I'm free, I'm loved, and I'm accepted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the, the gospel of grace. That by Jesus dying on a cross, paying the price for our sin, that all our sin is dealt with at the cross. That you love us, that you chose us, that you forgave us, that we're loved and accepted more than we can ever imagine. That you're changing us by your spirit alive in us, helping us to follow you. I want to pray for us that we'd be a people who live in light of what you've done just now and again on a Sunday when perhaps we get reminded of it but but just daily life living the, the wonder of oh yeah what if his word is true what if I'm a chosen forgiven son or daughter of the most high that despite knowing the worst about me he loves me he chose me he accepted me and he's never going to leave me Heavenly Father Lord we, we ask that in your name we just say, come Holy Spirit, where, where there's folk who just feel like, it's not for me, that doesn't include me. Maybe it includes that person or that person, but it doesn't include me. I just want to come and pray the Holy Spirit would come afresh and say, no, no, it's for you. This love, this, the cross, it covers, it covers even your sin, even your mistakes, even your shame. Come Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.